back to another episode of the Waffle Press Movie Hangouts. I'm your host, Diego Crespo. With me today is my co-host, Gina Versa. Hey, how you doing? I'm good. I looked down at my notes when I when I said your name. I know your name. I don't know why I needed to check that. I that whatever. It's that was well, I've, I've had a long year. <laughs> no, it's all right. Sometimes I, <laughs> sometimes Zoom replaces my uh, the R in my last name with the T for some reason. Oh yeah, I I remember. But uh, you may yeah. have heard a voice, an extra voice right there right now, mm-hmm. and that's because we we have a guest with us today. Hi, uh, my name is Maeve McGee. So, sometimes you I go but with my full name, which is Mavis Roberta McGee, and I've recently thought about adding a second middle name because that's fun. Like that's kind of what I go on Twitter, Maeve Constance Roberta. Um, but yeah, I. I'm a film writer and podcaster, and I'm also very gay, and yeah, that's kind of most of my deal. It's, it's a great deal. Um, we became friends. We're talking a little bit in the pre-show. You, you mentioned at least around Batman versus Superman. Yeah, and it's uh, like when I first started like paying attention to like film Twitter, like it like a lot of it was like you, Josh Lewis, uh, Esther Rosenfeld before she came out. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Oh wow, simpler times. Remember the the Birdman Wars? Gene was definitely there for the Birdman Wars too. Uh, yeah. That's, God. I, I don't really remember. I just I think I like that movie enough, but I wouldn't like talk too much about that. No, no, because you have you you had a life. I didn't, and so I, I got know. caught up in in bullshit that's why <laughs> did anyone else like birdman here or just just me uh, I, saw, <laughs> I thought i liked it when i saw it in theaters but i soured yeah. immensely afterwards yeah especially like as the awards uh, sh- season mm. went on <laughs> and like when it won best picture i immediately groaned because i knew that discourse was going to be hell yeah, that that sounds about right i will say did not like the revenant though so i don't know I didn't like yeah I didn't like that either I there was genuinely a point where I just turned to my friend and whispered fuck this in in his ear (laughs) get a Um, get a refund (laughs) uh, I sat the rest of the movie out but I was kind of grumpy the rest of the day (laughs) all good yeah sometimes that happens but um that's a little bit of of your, your background on film but Maeve but what else, what, what's going on in, in the world of Maeve right now? How have you been holding up? We always ask our guests this now, right now during the pandemic and living well, I, in America, <laughs> but how yeah. are you? Well, in terms of the job front, I've been unemployed for a couple months and that's been frustrating. There are a few opportunities seemingly popping up though. And in my unemployment, me and my good friend, Adam Bumas have launched a podcast with the anatomy of a scream pod squad network called the thing from another medium it's a six episode miniseries the first episode was released uh last tuesday actually and this podcast is about covering book to film horror adaptations that are cross-gender meaning the book was written by a woman and the film was directed by a man or vice versa our first episode was uh, the Netflix film Bird Box, which um, is cross-gender, directed by a woman based on a book written by a man. Our next episode is going to be uh, the 2013 remake of Carrie, directed by Kimberly Pierce. And I wish 
I liked that film more because I understood what it was going for, but it just didn't end up, you know, great. But at the same time, it made for an interesting conversation and it led to me finally seeing the De Palma carry. So there's that too. Yeah. Um, Was that your first experience with De Palma? Oh, hell no. Okay. Yeah. De Palma gang for (laughs) sure. But uh, that that sounds fascinating. And um, there I'll link that below in uh, the YouTube and all the description stuff below. So people check that out whenever it's up. All right. Mm. Um, But today we're, if you've, check the title out you know uh that this is a special occasion not just because it's us meeting Maeve for the first time but also we're getting ready for Godzilla versus Kong and to do so we have to kind of dial it back for Toho stuff Toho monster movies and of course Paul W.S. Anderson's Monster Hunter which will be the big subject in the back half of this episode but uh Toho movies we're going to talk about for a little bit we're not going to have a full deep dive into any of that stuff um there is a Godzilla Kaiju Kong YouTuber that I actually discovered recently. And I would, I'm going to actually link down to them below. And this is an open recommendation, recommendation to both the, you and Gene as well, Maeve. Um, God, I, I cannot re- pronounce the, uh, the YouTube title on it, but I'll, I'll link it in our, in our group DM after. But they have a very thorough, like, YouTube channel detailing the history of Toho, the monsters, the the people behind the cameras, the insane legacy these kaiju flicks have, and um, it's tons of fun. And obviously, they're gearing up for Godzilla versus Kong as well. But um, I know Gene wanted to talk about Toho stuff for a long time, so I'm actually going to let him kind of guide this one. We we started a monster podcast a while back, and that kind of fizzled out. But uh, today we're bringing it back for this. It's Talk All Monsters, We're talking Toho. Gene, please take it away. Yeah, so I was uh, told to uh, just talk about some uh, Toho monster movies that might be a little underseen or um, no one, maybe no one's heard of, which uh, there are a few. So uh, just throwing it out there, uh, more of gar- the Gargantuans, if anyone's seen that. Well, we talked about it on the podcast. Yeah. But, yeah, that's that's a really good one. Maeve, have you seen me, that one? Um, no, but I have heard of it. Like, correct me if I'm wrong. That's like Ishiro Honda's big non-monsterverse movie, kind of. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't believe the two monsters are in the rest of the canon, but um, yeah, it's uh like one that Honda put a lot of effort in, and uh, I really I really enjoy the story of that one. Just this uh. Like these two brothers just like fighting monster brothers and they're one's like peaceful and the other one's just like evil and warmongering you know <clears throat> i really uh would recommend anyone like to check that out um some other uh notable ones and also you could see a lot on hbo max as well they put like a good category on on uh, yeah, me and, <clears throat> yeah me and diego were mm-hmm. talking about that like i actually have seen a few since yeah that I remember um, I first started watching uh, well diving into Toho Monster stuff in the lead up to King of the Monsters Mm -hmm. and the thing is I had seen the original Gojira which is of course a masterpiece yes Uh, Godzilla Rides Again Mm -hmm. which I thought was pretty fun in its own primal way and then I was in the middle of Mothra versus Godzilla and, Crit- and the Criterion Channel stream fizzled out. 
and then I just R- didn't go back to it. R.I.P. Then earlier this year when I got HBO Max, I finally finished Mothra versus Godzilla. <laughs> Which honestly, like having having not seen the original Mothra, I was a bit lost early on, but they explained it pretty well. Right. I just I just kind of spent the whole time thinking, oh yeah, there was very clear this is very clearly a sequel to Mothra. <laughs> yeah, it's um yeah, you know, um I, I yeah, it takes a lot and you know, you kind of see like the first iteration of like a shared universe, right? And yeah, it's um, up there, it's like the universal monsters stuff back in the day. Yeah. Um, and then what Toho was doing, except at the time it wasn't really like a quote shared universe. It was it was just like, you know, hey, movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, well, I was just saying just kind of the continuity of some of them like all blend together and you know, that's pretty uh pretty cool. But yeah, uh Mothra versus Godzilla is uh certainly one of my favorites because I don't know, Mothra um always uh she always strikes me as like a really uh like a majestic uh kaiju, not really evil, you know. I don't think she's ever been evil in any of the movies, right? No, yeah. there's been like the, like the inverse, like the that evil alien one, right? Am I misremembering? That's- yeah, that's um, I forgot that uh, God, what's that? Uh, it's like Batra or something. Yeah. Um. Oh, by the way, the uh, the YouTube account is D Man nineteen fifty four. The release mm-hmm. of the original Godzilla, of course. And um, yeah, really, if you if you like this monster shit, go go check them out. You'll get more like yeah. history there. But yeah, um, Mothra. Oh yeah, and um, yeah, that one's great. I was also gonna recommend Godzilla versus Hedora. Which is yeah, that's uh, one I've been hearing a lot of good stuff about like throughout my life. Like my first serious relationship was with someone who was a Godzilla nerd. Mm-hmm. And I my best friend, his brother's a Godzilla nerd, so I hear a lot of talk about it through him as well. You haven't, so, you haven't seen it yet? Uh no, I have not. Uh the only other Toho outside of the ones I've listed, the only other Taiho <laughs> Toho monster film I've seen is actually Rodan oh okay which i actually thought was pretty neat like i was not expecting to vibe on that one as much as i did considering how rodan is kind of considered lame as balls by the people i talked to yeah well um i was gonna say and uh yeah rodan their uh original like toho film is like uh, i don't really remember it too much i just remember there were two twin rodans but um i'm glad to see rodan uh getting some respect with king of the monsters which um like the wings of Rodan, even though they make Rodan like a lackey to Ghidorah, um, they make Rodan canically Mexican and uh, very yeah, it, powerful. It's, uh, it, it's, it's got the quaddle. That's what it is, you know, in, in the monster verse. And I like that because Gene and I are, are King of the Monsters gang. Maeve, yeah. are you down with King of the Monsters? Uh, I'm so sorry. <sighs> okay. No, it it's fine. It happens all the time. I understand. I recognize that Gene and I are like very much the we. There's dozens of us camp, so I get it. Yeah. Um. No, it's all good. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, I was just gonna say uh, at least Rodan gets some respect. But um, for Godzilla versus Hedora, um, I wanted to just highlight that because it's one of the first Godzilla movie that Godzilla movies that isn't directly. I think Ashiro Hondo isn't directly involved in, and the director, 
I'm gonna like uh, mess, I'm gonna forget his name, but that director put a lot of like uh, counterculture elements in it. So like, there's like this whole like, um, like sequence where it's like a rave, like hippie sort of like dance sequence, or there's like animated like it's almost like a like a Pink Floyd's The Wall with a lot of yeah, like trippy like drug sequences and uh you know it has a good message of it's uh it's very environmentally friendly um i think there we could start seeing godzilla as like a allegory for uh the protector of uh the environment or at least the earth and uh ishiro hondo and all the toho people got so pissed that they banned that director from um ever like doing another godzilla movie again <laughs> so um couldn't ah, sorry couldn't getting tongue-tied uh, apparently, though, he is um, he's uh, credited as producer on the 2014 Godzilla because the legendary, some of them, he was tied into a lot of rights, the rights for a remake. So he got back at them. But yeah, um, everyone should check that out after. Yoshimitsu Bano is the director, right? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And yeah, for executive producer on Godzilla 2014. Yeah. And posthumously, King of the Monsters in 2019. Uh, he passed away in 2017. So rest in peace. Um, I fully support the pro-Godzilla versus hetera message because that movie is, like, it's nuts. Yeah, it <laughs> it's, really is. It's really nuts. I see why people rejected it when it was first released because it's just so different from everything else that happened. Yeah. Um, yeah so- I. I also want to shout out that Mothra is, is my favorite of the monsters. And I think before a hetera, Mothra is kind of the one that does start to tie in the more peaceful ideology of, of the kaiju mm. and like the relationship to nature and like the earth. I think that's without Mothra, that's what um, you don't really get that evolution down the line, whether right. or not yeah. there are even that many great versions of that mythology. Yeah. I think it's an important one, you know, and uh, I mean, it's just a giant friendly moth. That's mm-hmm. <laughs> like, that's awesome. Well, yeah, Sorry. It's, it's really interesting um, for that one, because I believe that comes before Congress is Godzilla, which we'll get into later. Uh, oh, wait, it comes a little bit after. But yeah, you know, the monsters uh, before Mothra, they're a little similar to Godzilla where Anguirus, the spiky Godzilla without the breath. And then, you know, Kong is like a bipedal sort of creature but mother you know it's like a flying moth that shoots silk you know how's godzilla gonna fight that so yeah it's a different sort of like monster for godzilla to fight and so, mothra's emissaries are tiny little women that come in a box yeah. just like uh N- normal things women. yeah just <laughs> like that uh greta gerwig movie they're in it <laughs> Oh my god. Little so Mothra. in the next official appearance of Mothra. You know what? Moth uh, uh Bob Odenkirk needed to be in King of the Monsters. Mm-hmm. And I, I definitely would have rather have had him there doing his stuff than having Bradley Whitford do fucking Rick from Rick and Morty. Oh yeah, that was uh mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know if uh, anyone ever read uh there was the making of Godzilla, the one of the art books. And I like uh Michael Dor- Dowdry, but he was saying that he was, uh, oh, this character is like basically Rick Sanchez and I want you to just act like Rick, which is a little, 
you know, I like the guy, but that's, I mean, and I like Rick and Morty enough, um, you know, and I don't like buy like a Szechuan sauce at like a hundred dollars or something, but yeah, even for me, I was like, that's a little, uh, that's a little much. Well, you're a sane fan, Gene. Yeah. You're, you're, you're sane. That helps. But like, yeah. Um, once <laughs> I read that, I was like, oh, yeah, it was weird, like, Whoops. in real time, seeing Rick and Morty go from, like, a really cool Adult Swim show <laughs> that people liked yeah. to, like, the fucking face of, like, Elon Musk worshipping cryptocurrency buying assholes yeah. everywhere. Yeah, it, it's very weird because uh, even when Elon Musk appears on their uh, show, it's kind of like both, if, like, they have, like, one or two jokes where they portray him, like, pretty negative, where I think, like, the first line that he's in... Uh, he says something like, oh, yeah, if we all work together and, like, uh, treat our workers with respect, which he never does, um, they have, like, a line like that, but then the fact that they let him on the show and just, like, let him be himself was just, like, that's too much. Yeah, it's 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 odd. Um, that's a whole other thing to unpack later, but uh, yeah, the only, let's, let's uh, unpack some other controversial stuff, like... Yeah, the best, like the best he, animated show is uh, Venture Brothers, though, that's... Uh, always will reign supreme over rick and morty <laughs> oh i'm sorry for your loss gene we we oh, did an yeah. episode on our favorite yeah. canceled shows last year they'll, so everyone go check that out they'll bring it back on hbo max or something i i hope so that, that'll be cool just need to keep, everyone really loved it just need to keep complaining enough <laughs> look at this look at all the snyder cut fans you know <laughs> just gonna buy like a giant like uh what did they have that year at comic-con they had like a, a yeah, they plane. had like a yeah, they had like a biplane with like mm-hmm. a trailing message behind it. Yeah, so I'm gonna do that. I'm gonna buy like a plane to write like a sky message at Comic Con. Bring back Venture Brothers. <laughs> gonna you know put that stimulus check to work. Um, well, yeah. After that, uh, any any final thoughts on on Toho Monster stuff? We want to wrap up before <laughs> we move on to Monster Hunter prep. Uh, yeah. I, mean, I was just gonna say that. Um, Toho is also, if it's still in the cards, because they haven't like updated or said anything to the contrary, is um, there could be other new Godzilla movies from them, like that we saw with Shin Godzilla. So definitely check those out, which, you know, if that, if uh, Congress is Godzilla is the last MonsterVerse movie, you know, it had a full, complete story. So it'd be interesting to see other people like do something with that character. Yeah. And uh, Shin Godzilla. I, I so great because it's made for like oh my god like a fifth maybe even less of what yeah. American Godzilla costs and it's just like it's incredible. Yeah, it's directed by the guy who did Evangelion. Uh, uh, yeah, I have not seen uh, Shin Godzilla, but like when it was put on Netflix, I did. I went full a bore into Evangelion and I came away thinking that it was a complete masterwork across the board. So. Oh yeah. I, I, I love, I love Evangelion. I'm uh, trying to do some uh, Evangelion podcasting. Yeah. Oh. I have to keep you in, uh, keep you in mind for that. Cause uh, yeah, just, you know, anyone that's like a Evangelion fan, just do like a secret handshake or something. <laughs> uh, that's the best Diego needs to watch it. I do, I do, but to be fair, you also need to watch The Last Airbender and Legend of Korra, so this is is that stalemate. But, like, does Legend of Korra have, like, um, giant, like, like monsters that are, like, angels and, like, uh, giant, like, uh, like, just 
just the weirdest imagery, like a blood of like red blood. Just actually, yes. Also, uh, <laughs> is Legend of Korra a disturbing flavor of horny? Yeah, yeah. So that's see, that's actually... the thing. Evangelion. <laughs> Evangelion is very, uh, very horny. You know, if anyone hasn't seen it, but it's yeah. got its moments. It's it's. That show is way weirder than it gets credit for. That's that's what I'm yeah. gonna say. But um, yeah. like I I watched uh, Avatar: The Last Airbender while it was airing on Nickelodeon when I was a kid, <laughs> and there have been a few times where I tried to like go back and revisit, but I always stalled out for various reasons. I'm like I have so many things I want to watch, so many projects I'm doing at any time, but it's something I'm still always keeping in mind. Yeah, no, please. Not just because, of course, we've been doing the retrospective and Legend of Korra will be released very soon, I promise. Tear got a little <laughs> ahead of me is all. <laughs> the Last Airbender is completely available for everyone to go back and watch. And wow. both Legend of Korra and The Last Airbender are on Netflix. So it's there waiting for everyone with open arms. I try not to pressure people into watching it just because, <laughs> like, you know, it's, it's, it's so good. It's like you're, you're going to get into it anyways. Like, yeah, that doesn't like not happen to people. So yeah, I mean, I'll I'll definitely watch it. It's yeah, it's just like, uh, like Maeve said, there's like too much shit to watch. Too much. Yeah, yeah, I, I I get it. I completely get it. You know, sometimes you just want to like watch stuff that's comforting and familiar to you, and there's nothing wrong with that. Much like um, some video game movies. Gene and I did an episode on the best video game movies last year with a uh, guest Celia B. And mm-hmm. we had a surprisingly good time talking about how we did not hate the Sonic movie. Yes, um, Sonic's good. Yeah I, yeah, I reviewed the Sonic movie back in the before times for the website I write for primarily, which is lutonlust.net, uh, run by my good friend Shannon Hubble. And my review of that was pretty positive. Like, I went to, like, a Thursday night screening so I could write the review, and... I thought it was a pretty fun time. Yeah, it's like yeah. it's it's harmless, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's like a nice little kids movie. Exactly, like, and you it's you know, too mad at it. It's not obnoxious either. Like some like, you know, uh, I think I was seeing clips from t- the Tom and Jerry movie. Uh, My friend like, was texting. <laughs> I watched like half that trailer, and it looked and it looked like a fake movie. Yeah, like, it looked like <laughs> it looked like what would be shown like an actor in a movie about a failing actor. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like that it's like that clip from funny people where Adam Sandler's the baby, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um you know, it doesn't have enough Tom and Jerry apparently. There's barely any Tom and Jerry. Which you know uh, I mean, you would think I'll I'll never watch that. Sorry. Um Tim I'll, Story's I'll, trash. I'll, like I yeah. considered watching the entire WB slate that's being put on HBO Max, especially because I watched the first few, but then why the fuck would I watch Tom and Jerry? Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. I love Tom and Jerry. Mm-hmm. I, but like, no, sorry. Not not this. Um I'll, I'll watch it when I see Scoob. Eventually see Scoob. No, I'll never watch Scoob. Sorry. Um, but I will watch good video game movies because as Gene and I posited last year, I think there are several good ones. And I yeah, maybe, like video game movies. Some good ones. Yeah, it's like video game movies are often good. It's just that gamers are fucking stupid. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, let's be honest, they're definitely duds. Like, I mean, like, I'm not here to defend, like, the Doom movie or anything like that. But at the same time, like, 
a lot of like people claim every video game movie is bad and you can ar- make a bunch of arguments as to why but i feel <laughs> like the best video game movies a lot of the time are the ones that gamers like react to the most negatively mm-hmm. and i mean that especially with some of the resident evil films because like gamers like kind of knee-jerk hate it because there's not enough gamer game iconography in those movies because paul ws anderson very much took the games and started like using them as a way to like bring across his own interests and yeah i think and like i'm part of the crew that thinks retribution is not only the best video game movie but just like a flat out fantastic action movie period and Mm. that's probably my pick for my favorite video game movie other ones i really like i'm a i'm a stand for duncan jones's warcraft yes (laughs) welcome welcome like i've been screaming like i've been banging the warcraft drums since i saw it in theaters and i still think that it rules all right but yeah uh resident evil retribution that's my top in fact, I like all the Resident Evil movies except for the second one. Which yes. Ironically, is the one that feels the most tailor-made to appeal to the gamers. Is that the mm-hmm. one with like Leon? No, that's the fifth one, Retribution. Oh, okay. gotcha. The second one has Jill Valentine and Carlos Oliveira, who both of which are used better in later films, mm-hmm. especially Carlos, who's played by the god Odin Fair. Yeah, he's not uh, a Latinx person, but he rules. <laughs> and uh, I really love Resident Evil Extinction. Like, I yeah. think that's a great, that's my favorite of the series by like far. But yeah, I, I do McCauley, like most of them. He's, he's exactly the kind of guy you want directing a video game movie, you know? <laughs> yeah. Like, super talented dude, but he loves his trash. Like, Ricochet, fucking banger. Diego, please tell me you've seen Ricochet. I haven't seen Ricochet yet. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I know. Diego, you will fucking mark out. <laughs> it, it's written by uh, my boy Fred Decker, <laughs> the, the one of the gods of trash cinema. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I'll see it eventually. I think it's on HBO right now, right? I mean, I, I mean, I had a very old DVD of it that had the HBO branding on it, so I think HBO was involved in its production in some way. Oh, there you go. All right. If it's if it's on there, I will watch it tonight. All right. But yeah, uh, Warcraft, I stand pretty hard for. Um, and, you know, trying to think of some other ones like the Paul Paul Dubias Anderson's Mortal Kombat rips, obviously. Yeah, yeah. That, I think that one is still like the most, quote unquote, <laughs> beloved by yeah. people, you know? Yeah, in part because a lot of people saw that one at the right age. Yeah, like. it feels like that. <laughs> uh, I was I was going to say, I don't, I don't get why people uh, dunk on or like trash on uh, Paul W.S. Anderson. For all, for all intents and purposes, at least it seems like he tries. And I was going to say, like, U of Ball is right there, too. Yeah. Like, people do Ooh. trash Uva Ball, but also Uva Ball's pretty out of the spotlight these days. Yeah. And yeah. after a certain point, he was just making direct to video stuff. Exactly. I will say it because it's on YouTube. If anyone's seen the boxing match where Uvo <laughs> Ball like beats up Jeff Snyder, is uh, <laughs> is like oh, the be- the best thing, and it's still on YouTube, and it's on Jeff Snyder's YouTube page. Oh, that's inc- okay. That, that's cool. <laughs> I like that. All right. Yeah. Uh, which 
is more cathartic uva bowl beating up jeff snyder or joe swamberg beating up devin faraci i think the devin faraci one though because devin faraci is like fucking devin, awful, gross, yeah. garbage person oh, i don't know that's tough but like uwe bowl is also like a garbage person but right. he's just enough of like a funny shit poster like i found his letterbox and letterbox it's just like dumb. unbelievable it is hilarious but he's also like i'm pretty sure he's like some kind of bigot you know like <laughs> I, mean, I wouldn't want to talk like, to him um, also he's like a successful restaurateur now oh all right okay yeah, <laughs> okay. yeah he has yeah. like a german <laughs> restaurant in vancouver <laughs> that's apparently pretty good Okay. Oh, all right. Hey, look, if you gotta, if you're gonna be an asshole, at least stay out of the spotlight and provide people with quality food. Okay, sure. Why not? <laughs> like, um, and into the Paul W.S. Anderson thing, you know, I mean, we, we do have to acknowledge that he did get uh, a stunt person uh, injured and uh, I believe even killed on, on the set of one of his films. So, like, you know, dude. Yeah. Do, do better obviously yeah, like that's crazy yeah, fucked up yeah bad shit all around and like i think there was like more news about the lawsuit against him and other members of the production but i forget what it was yeah like come on like take care of your crew like that's just not like, acceptable yeah like you know? thankfully on the set of monster hunter no one died yes yeah good you know good good on that and yeah. also paul has lined up another project with uh dave bautista involved and i feel like he wouldn't have gotten involved if he didn't like trust have a level of trust in paul you know yeah Mm -hmm. i hope he's like turned it around gotten it turned a new leaf and also his daughter ever is getting into acting and he apparently put his career on hold in order to um basically be full-time dad because she was shooting the david lowry peter pan movie in which she's playing wendy oh what i didn't know that yeah uh, david lowry's peter pan it's called peter pan and wendy like uh he and mila's daughter ever is playing wendy in that film oh, interesting and she's also playing young black widow in black widow oh that's cool oh, everyone's excited for that one right yeah, if Marvel was like, <laughs> if Marvel was like uh, making the MCU movies in the '90s, I could see her as Black Widow. Yeah, like I remember there was a thing going around a while ago of like, what would the MCU have been cast like in the '90s? And pretty much every single one of them was like, yeah, it's Mila Jovovich was going to be Black Widow if it was made in the '90s. Like, duh. yeah. yeah. <laughs> um but no that's that's pretty cool i i sorry just like i i didn't know that he was doing that for his kid that's that's pretty great actually and um yeah dave bautista really goes to bat for the people he works with because he like like, yeah that's pretty great yeah like he's ride or die for Zack snyder now yeah everyone who works with Zack snyder ends up being ride or die for Zack snyder like say what you will about the man's films you don't have to like him but like that's that's pretty telling you know yeah, like it shows the environments he has on his sets and whatnot. Yeah, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, like, yeah, it's like a business and whatever, all that bullshit. But like, I want these people to like have a healthy work environment and I want these yeah. people to be good people, you know, like that that bullshit, like 
art versus the artist. Like, no, it's all you, you kind of gotta acknowledge all of it, you know. Yeah, um, and that's important. Yeah, it's, it kind of reminds me of like something I heard about what being on set with Denzel Washington is like, because like I was talking to someone who, not gonna say it, but he works, but he worked under a very well-known acclaimed cinematographer as part of the tech crew and a movie he worked on with that cinematographer starred Denzel Washington and he said that Denzel was always kind and polite and just generally a good dude on set but he viewed it as a job first and foremost he was there to do his work and then leave to see his wife and that's a mindset I feel like more people should have yeah you know like that, that's great to hear because who doesn't love Denzel Washington, you know? Um, but like, I, I like the John Carpenter approach to it where it's just like, dude, it's just a movie. I did it because I needed a job. Like, yeah, like movies are like, a, I, you know, the greatest thing in the world to people like us. Um, and that's, that, that's totally fine to like even believe that. But like, at the end of the day, y- you have to treat it like, you have to treat the people around you with respect. You can't have their well-being be at the cost of your quote unquote, like, art you know like we're all in it together it's a collaborative art form Mm -hmm. that's why it rules so just something to keep in mind and uh, i believe we could just kind of hop into monster hunter at this point we could talk about paul w sanderson a little bit more there um i guess before this though this isn't in the show notes but what is our favorite paul w sanderson film Uh, Maeve, i'm pretty sure we know yours already but would you like to say it again (laughs) well it's my top is Resident Evil Retribution, and my second favorite is Event Horizon. Ooh, okay. I I got a soft spot for Event Horizon. It doesn't. Event Horizon owns. I, I can't fully get into it, and it's not even his fault. That movie had a disastrous production. The producers really fucked him on that. I that's I can never hate it or dislike it, but like it doesn't doesn't get yeah. there for me. I'm I'm sorry, uh, but Gene. Your favorite Paul W.S. Anderson film? Uh, yeah, I think I would go with the uh, first uh, Mortal Kombat. Really enjoyed that. I have a lot of uh, fond memories of uh, watching that when I was a younger kid. And yeah, I, th- I think it still holds up mostly. And there's going to be a new one. So even if it doesn't, it doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, I respect that. Yeah. And I think Alien versus Predator is uh, up there too. I have a lot That's of... a fun movie. Yeah, that one's, that one's good. That one's a... Uh, I don't know. Maybe it needs more predators, but for the most part, I uh, I really enjoyed it. Like I it's, love that. It's that got a killer premise. Ultimately, about how Sana Lathan makes a predator friend, and they go yeah. on a sleigh ride together. Well, yeah, the the predators they have, uh, you know, like they they let Danny Glover live at the end of Predator Two. They have like respect. Yeah, you know, it's that's an interesting through line that the most like lore i guess that or understanding we get of predator culture is from predator 2 yeah and avp yeah that's like amazing to me <laughs> or i was gonna say the it's not in canon but batman versus the predator it's a comic from the 90s oh yeah but that's like awesome <laughs> you know yeah they have some lore about the predators in there yeah, yeah. um for me before i start getting into the whole alien versus predator thing because everyone else i could talk about that forever I think Monster Hunter is my favorite Paul W.S. Anderson film. Oh, okay. Like, yeah. Um, I really enjoyed this. I was looking forward to this a lot because 
I like monsters and quite frankly, we all had a very rough year and I wanted monsters in front of my eyeballs. And uh, I recently started gaming more often and I picked up the Monster Hunter World on PC. Tons of fun. The, the premise of like you having to like figure out the different like weak spots and like plan your attacks and defenses against these monsters is like, it's just, I lost myself like hours of my life to that. And so when the film ends up kind of being like that in the middle portion of it, I was like, oh, okay, like that's how you do a video game movie. It doesn't have to be verbatim what's in the game, but you want to at least approach it like in a similar vein, you know? And so the problem solving mechanics, like to see them on display was tons of fun. Um, yeah. But Maeve, as the number one Paul W.S. Anderson fan here, what did you think of Monster Hunter? Oh, it fucking rolls. <laughs> um, full spoilers because it's Monster Hunter and we got to get into all this nitty gritty before Godzilla versus Kong. But yeah, yeah. Go wild out. Tell us everything. Like, it feels like with like as bad as the accident on Resident Evil, the final chapter was, it feels like with that movie, Paul kind of nailed, nailed out a lot of what he was is now interested in stylistically. Like the editor on Resident Evil, the final chapter is also the editor on Monster Hunter, an absolute fucking madman named Doobie White. And while the editing in Monster Hunter is not as absolutely buck wild as it is in the last Resident Evil movie, you still get bits and pieces of that kind of like really staccato editing that weirdly enough, even though it's like a cut every five milliseconds, you can still kind of place the geography of everything. You still kind of know exactly what's going on. And Monster Hunter is kind of a marriage of that and his previous sensibility, which was shoot everything really cleanly and edited it like really clean, cleanly as well. So it does kind of feel like a bit of a best of both worlds thing going on while also working at a level of visual storytelling that makes it very clear that, yes, he has seen Fury Road <laughs> and he is going to just chase that high for the rest of his life. And look, if you're gonna if you're gonna be a filmmaker that's gonna riff on other people and and pick and choose and and rip off, we could just say rip off. You yeah. could do a whole lot worse than one of the greatest films that's ever been made. So I welcome yeah. it, you know. Yeah, and also, it seems like Paul's new favorite composer buddy to work with is Paul Haslinger, who this is I think his fourth collaboration with him. Paul Haslinger, formerly a member of Tangerine Dream. And oh, that explains everything. I love it. Yeah, I think Haslinger's first collaboration with PWSA was the Death Race remake. And then he worked on the Three Musketeers movie, which is a lot more of a traditional orchestral score. And then he scores Resident Evil, the final chapter, and Monster Hunter, both of which are very synth-heavy and front-loaded. And it makes for a very interesting collaboration and also what like i've suggested this before if paul ws anderson had been born earlier he'd be making canon movies yeah yeah probably like, and yeah 
and like his two favorite filmmakers are scott and cameron he worships at their altars and like you can tell because he riffs on aliens every chance he gets yeah and i mean aliens is one of those movies that's like it kind of has dark knight syndrome for me you know where it's like everyone talks about how it's their favorite movie it's so great then you watch it again it's like yeah yeah kind of is that great (laughs) but you know it's like everyone likes it for a reason you know so i get it totally well at the same time like paul loves these like really intense meticulous filmmakers Mm -hmm. um which scott and cameron notoriously are and he takes that and aims it towards like real 14 year old who's read who reads heavy metal magazine sensibilities (laughs) like he's using his study of like rigid formal control to make movies about monsters and weird portals and sand boats and like you see that rigid formality especially when at the peak of that which was resident evil retribution and it's kind of amazing that his chops are as well developed as they are and until film twitter found out what the phrase vulgar auteur meant kind of you never got that people never really discussed him in that way until then yeah i mean he he kind of has uh also john carpenter syndrome and he he is also on record as saying john carpenter is one of his favorites i believe but like where at at the time of his film's release he doesn't really get critical respect um and i Look, I, I like Paul W. Sanderson. I don't think he's up to par with the filmmakers we, we, we've discussed. Um, I, I like his films generally. Um, but I, I do think it's like, he's, he does get a little picked on. You know what I mean? It, 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 it's a little odd. It's like, sure, his movies aren't like the other Paul Anderson, you know, yeah. like much more uh, dramatic and uh, borderline campy at times. Um, it's also but, kind of funny that for his first couple movies, he's just credited as Paul Anderson because PTA hadn't started making movies yet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I like that. I, I guess we, we'll just keep getting into it because there's, I think there's a surprising amount to talk about in terms of like the, the form and how like, I, I think it's, it's very well made. Uh, but Gene, what did you think about Monster Hunter? I think we both got a little hype for this together. Given our our Toho fascination, yeah, yeah, I was uh, curious on it. Um, I never played the video games, but I always heard like pretty good things about it. So I went in with a fairly open mind. I uh, saw it at the drive-in by my house, and uh, I think that really helped. It helped it. Um, some of the colors were kind of a little too murky, but it's whatever. Um, but yeah, this was uh, yeah, it was really fun. It was very uh video gamey in the sense where it's like showing you you know the character she's like collecting items and like uh like upgrading leveling up so to speak and uh just the mechanics of uh, how she would defeat the monsters was uh, pretty interesting and just like you know stuff like ron perlman just looks fucking weird and you know just uh just like gray they grayed out all his hair made it silver or whatever and his like little bird excuse me um yeah and it was uh, yeah i don't know it was pretty um interesting because i guess you haven't really seen like you know like a blockbuster blockbuster movie like in a like in a like in a theater so yeah yeah it, it has been a while and you know like 
I think the biggest movie that came out last year was like Tenet. Right. right? Yeah. And Tenet, which owns, but is a radically different kind of blockbuster. Like it, it's kind of sucks that Tenet was not released in an actual release year because the discourse on that would have been absolutely fucking wild. I have no idea how people would have reacted to that in like a normal movie year. Yeah, me neither. Like I, I, Gene, you saw it in the drive-in, right? I, yeah. I did not. Yeah, I, I saw Tenet at a drive-in. Yeah, um, we, we discussed it multiple times on the podcast last year. So everyone go check out the, the 2020 episodes. Um, I, I'm so curious because I don't think I would have liked it in the theater. I liked it watching it at home by myself when it was finally available on digital mm. and i don't know it, it, it's weird like uh not to get off track on this podcast never but like i think back to only god forgives gene i don't know if you remember we, we ended up watching that together when it first came out too and i like yeah i didn't really vibe with it for a while like i liked it by the time it was over but i only loved it when i rewatched it at home by myself and i was like oh no i'm totally into this art house bullshit like this this kicks ass and so i don't know that it totally does um attribute like how you watch a film you know this isn't pro theater this isn't pro home viewing i'm just saying like your surroundings absolutely attribute to like how you're gonna process something you know and that's just an interesting thing about like life yeah you know? and so uh, i, I want to check out more um driving stuff after we get our second vax shot because yeah. it's happening finally too. Yay. Check cool. out our vaccine special with guest Soren Howe because that was tons of fun and very informative. But I would have loved to have seen this in the drive-in. I think this is a great like midnight kind of movie, you know? The the monster stuff is tons of fun. Um, I gotta be honest, uh, the opening I think is like genuinely amazing with the sand ship sailing over the dunes. Um, and then when it cuts to the UN military force, it's just like I, I felt my excitement kind of just like escape and I was like oh no and then thankfully within 15 minutes they're like all dead and I was like okay we're back yeah, in that, now that was a weird bit of discourse where everyone's like it glorifies the US military and it's like one they're, they've got UN flags it's not specifically a US thing and two like I remember it being like officially released that the whole thing was that the military finds out that their weapons do jack and shit against the monsters. So they have to throw the guns away and get like the cool stuff, the bone swords and that mm-hmm. kind of thing. But also yeah. like, you know, it's Twitter discourse. So a lot of people just see what they see the first time and they just don't, they react and they don't think about it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. There, there's definitely like a problem with like parroting other people's opinions. And I mean, Look, I've been guilty of it. It happens. Yeah, I think everyone gets a little caught up in, in the Twitter sphere sometimes and just Lord due to I like have. life. Yeah, like like due to just life, I've been on Twitter less. And so I haven't been getting caught up in it as much. But like I think it's important to just step away once in a while. And you know, to, uh, to be fair to the opposite side of that, like I think there's a genuine problem with American blockbusters like being so like dependent on military financing, you know. Yeah, and so there's is- like yeah, yeah there, a lot of people have talked about that in regards to the Marvel films as of late. Yeah, yeah, you know, and it's like, that's important to bring up, I think. And, and I also think like, look, it's a systemic issue. And I'm definitely not the Marvel guy right now. But like, let's keep this conversation going in a way that's productive, not just 
you like military propaganda. Like we're in America, everything revolves around the military. It's very hard to exist without finding something pro-military here for us. Right. It's a genuine problem. Don't hate the player, I guess, hate the game. Let's figure out how to end the game. But um, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's a little silly that this one kind of got its butt kicked for that. And it's like, yeah, like they don't even explain why the, the Monster Hunter world weapons work better. It's just like they, they do, they're magic weapons and stuff. That's it. That's all you need. Yeah, and like the rules. most the most you get is Mila saying, uh, to kill a monster, you need a monster. And that was like when she and uh Tony Jaw are like trying to like figure out how to get rid of a Rathalos in order to get to where they need to go. <laughs> so they like hatch a plan to kill a giant spider, steal its poison. And make a weapon out of that so they could poison the Rathalos. And it rules. It was so much. And yeah, Tony Jaw and Emil Jovovich, it's a buddy action comedy with them for like at least half an hour to 45 minutes of the movie, right? Like, yeah, and they never speak the same language the entire time. Yeah, and I think this is why this is my favorite Paul W.S. Anderson movie now. Like, I'm really excited to keep rewatching it. And that doesn't always happen with, with his, um, as much as I've liked most of his stuff, right? But it, it finds like this, this unspoken, like literally unspoken, like idea about how people can connect without borders, without uh, language barriers. Like you can just connect with another human being and you too along with your friends can go and kill the scary monsters that <laughs> exist in our worlds of course old, this, is a, old, uh, this is also a documentary i should know yeah good old uh, gop <laughs> yeah <laughs> would they be the spiders i feel like they're they're more spiders they're, they can't be as cool as the rathalos or the diablos right and all that maybe so, yeah i don't know yeah. ted cruz is like a turtle spider thing He's just, disgusting um but before we get Cruz is a grain of sand that gets hit by the sand boat <laughs> you know what yeah that's better uh, Cruz. yeah fuck that guy fuck the GOP sorry fact, for my anyone... dad had my dad's met Ted Cruz and I'm so sorry yeah he my dad has met a lot of politicians in his line of work and he has long declared Cruz the worst one yeah. That's incredible. No, even people from his own party are like, fuck this guy. That's just like, wow. <laughs> what a guy. <laughs> yeah. Insufferable asshole. Yeah, my dad's official words were he radiated evil. That's beautiful. <laughs> what a pathetic human being. Uh, what's not pathetic is the monster stuff in this movie. Uh, do, this isn't, again, not something in the notes, but uh, our favorite monsters. Do we have any favorites? I feel like the dragon might be the easy choice here. But, uh, yeah, there are two stuff. different. There are two different Rathaloses. Uh, there are the spiders, who I think have an in-universe name, but I've forgotten it. And the, don't worry. Yeah, and the first uh, monster that shows up is the Diablos, which is giant, two horns, very angry, here to just destroy. <laughs> yeah, I um, I'd probably go with that one, the Diablos, to be honest. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's a it's a cool, cool one. That's a cool design, man. Yeah, yeah. I, as far as I can tell, like all the designs are pretty game accurate. Like mm -hmm. 
I have very limited exposure to Monster Hunter. Like there was a time where I had a 3DS and the game I got with it was a Monster Hunter game. So I w- would play a bit of Monster Hunter. So like I knew a lot of the iconography and whatnot, mm-hmm. um, but I didn't play t- so much of it. Mm-hmm. But when I heard about Paul's movie, I was like, yes. Hell yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, they, have, they, they have it free in the PlayStation Plus store. So I'm going to have to download it, I guess, eventually. Yeah, it, it is a uh, little, uh, uh, I guess, JRPG when it comes to grinding. Like you do kind of got to do a little bit of that. Yeah. But I, I think it's a blast. Um, and the the designs are, are very game accurate. And when they move locations, I like that the, the film is structured like, here's the desert location. Here's the mountain cave location. Here's the jungle mountain location. The jungle location is like straight up the opening to Monster Hunter World. Like, the, the other monsters that are there, the, the dinosaur-looking ones, the, like, the stegosaurus ones kind of looking, yeah. those are like straight-up monsters from the game. Like, it's that is just the opening to the game. But I, I like that, you know? Like, you don't need to do that because I think all three of us are kind of on the same page. Like, you don't need to just adapt something verbatim to make it a good, <laughs> like, adaptation or a good, like, movie version of that. But it is kind of cool to see when that does happen a little yeah. bit, you know? Like you try not to get all caught up in that, but it's like that's pretty cool. <laughs> so yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I I hated the spiders because I just hate spiders though. Like they're they're designed well. Um, yeah. But the CGI sometimes is like a little little wonky. It's not the biggest budget movie. Yeah. Then other like, times, yeah. Yeah, like Paul, like Paul W. S. Anderson, he mainly works with Constantine Film, which is a German company that tends to like tap like the top of what they usually fund is around 65 million monster mm. hunter was 60 mil and basically all the vfx work for constantine films homegrown productions is done by one studio uh, a studio called mr x funnily enough and they did all the vfx work for monster hunter and like it's a case of Paul because he's never like done a hundred million dollar movie. He's never done anything like the size of like your standard studio blockbuster. So, but he knows how to get a lot out of, you know, he knows how to get bang for buck. Yeah. Which is like the when the di- like when the Diablos is happening, that thing looks awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, there's also, um, like, look, at the end of the day, as much as, like, discourse there is around, like, CGI and, like, whether or not that looks good versus realistic, whatever, like, it's a movie. We're, at some point, we're going to realize that it's not realistic, right? Like, it's just going to happen, and our brain is going to acknowledge that. And that's totally fine for me, because I want to see you get creative with the set pieces and stuff like that. And I think this film, for basically taking place in the desert for the first 50 minutes alone, it never got dull to me it kept like kind of evolving how they approach the landscape and that made it more fun, you know, and how they like react to like the creatures and how they have to plan around them. Like to me, that's, that's impressive. If the CZ looks good. And most of the time I do think it does. Um, that's a bonus, you know? And of course yeah. they do the fury road thing where at night it's all kind of got this blue sheen over it too. And I think that kind of helps the spider stuff later too. That's sons of fun. Yeah. Um, but I, so I guess we're all we're all fans of the Monster Hunter here. 
yeah yes, yeah we are yeah uh i i will have to do a, a giveaway at some point i'll i'll give away digital code for the the godzilla versus kong episode i guess because that's that's coming up soon and uh before we start wrapping up final thoughts on monster hunter for us before we start getting into the godzilla versus kong hype any anyone want to uh, in there. I, I, I feel like my oh, opinion as the Paul Stan here um, is pretty well known. Like, I think this is like A tier PWSA. <laughs> and man, like, I wish, like, I, I wish this hadn't been released in, pan- in the middle of pandemic times because, on, while on one hand, I'm happy to have been able to see the movie. We're never going to get a sequel, and that yeah. bumps me out just a little bit. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. The the ending. I mean, like, it is very like here's the sequel bait, but it's also just kind of like a fun like pulp adventure style ending. You know, like yeah. we don't need one, but I thought this worked so well. I want one. You know. Yeah, like Super Mario Brothers. Yeah, actually, uh, very similar. I guess. Um, I got I got a soft spot for that one, even if it doesn't all. It, it's 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 weird go listen yeah, to the episode yeah, i did yeah. it last year <laughs> sorry um gene fi- final thoughts on monster hunter yeah um i just thought it was like a fun uh dumb uh, monster movie just to get like some escape from uh the reality right now so i i really appreciated it yeah i yeah go see it i guess yeah yeah go see it from the comfort of your own home um would have liked to have seen more i guess if i had like one super nitpick nerd criticism it's not even a criticism it's just thought yeah uh, i'm totally cool with it being like oh the real world is clashing with the monster hunter world i just don't get why that's the approach i guess it's like the easiest way to get into the monster hunter atmosphere but i also i don't know i just don't understand like versus yeah. setting it up from the in-game universe this is just a fantasy world not a problem. Again, I just I, I would like to hear someone like explain to me like, oh, we did that because blah 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 blah. blah. Right. Yeah. That's all. Yeah. No, it's all good. Yeah. Um, oh, also the Palico. More Palico. That's what I need. Give me sixty million dollars to make a Monster Hunter movie just yeah. starring the CGI cats. Thank you. Also the Palico effect. That looks fucking fantastic. Even for the budget, absolutely. Yeah, that was like really impressive. And he he, like gingerly puts the herb on top of the steak. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And that's one of those things that is just straight out of the game. Again, that's not what makes it cool, but it is just kind of neat that that's there. And they are just inherently the cutest thing (laughs) ever. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Yeah, that's Monster Hunter. Go check it out. As we wrap the show today, we're going to talk a little bit about Godzilla versus Kong and the little bit we're going to talk about is are we team Kong or team Godzilla time has come to just ask each other that I think there's a there's a wrong answer and there's a right answer okay uh here's mine uh big apologies to my boy vice dictus (laughs) but if you're pro Kong you're a narc (laughs) (laughs) Kong's with uh Kong's with all the the cops and all the military too Kong went to the the capital on January sixth. <laughs> no, look, I get no. that he monkey, but at the same time, I can't in good conscience pull for him. It's he got. Here, go ahead. Like when the 
like when he's up against Godzilla, I can't in good consciousness pull for the monkey. Yeah, I mean, you got an American icon versus a Japanese icon. Yeah. You got to give it to Japan. Here's the thing. Kong is an, is the underdog here. So I think he will win. But I want Godzilla to win. Right. Because I, I think America needs to be shown up for a while. I mean, after and, the it last four like years the, and it and it looks like the big big battle happens in Hong Kong in the film. Mm-hmm. So that's just giving him an unfair advantage going to a place that has his name in it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think he right. gets plus ten stats across the board for that, right? So yeah, you know, I don't think I've ever, uh, I don't think I've seen a Godzilla movie where it's set in China too. Maybe like one or one or one or two, but I can't really think. So oh yeah, no, huh? Yeah, it's usually huh. Japan or America, or <laughs> that's about it. Or that, that's yeah, that, that kind of covers it. Um, Space. Yeah, so I, I mean, I, I forgot to bring this up too, but like Monster Hunter satisfies us in the lead up to Godzilla versus Kong, right? I mean, it's it's yay mon- across the board. Yeah, it's good monsters. Good, yeah. good monsters. No, no monkey, but we'll get that. Um, and I, mean, I, will have Perl- to say, I mean, Ron Perlman's basically a monkey. <laughs> Oh yeah, I, I believe he did play a monkey man in uh, a film in the nineties. What's what's that one? Oh, disaster? it's Doctor Moreau. Yeah, yeah. and um, like he's fantastic in that movie. Is he? I I've just seen the clip of him as the monkey falling face into the sand, and then that's it. That's the only bit I've seen of that movie. Like, I just know it was a disaster. The movie's not great. It's a compromised mess. Um, but. There, but the stuff in there that's legitimately good is legitimately good. And mm. that includes like a lot of the monster makeup, which is fantastic. Ron Perlman's incredible. Tamara Morrison's in it as well. In nice. full oh, makeup, there you he's go. great. Yeah. All right. I, I mean, I'm interested in checking it out fully now because Tamara Morrison. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We stand uh, Boba Fett. No, no, I stand Tamara Morrison. Don't twist my words. <laughs> Although Robert Rodriguez is apparently directing the book of Boba Fett. So, uh, yeah, all right. So, Team Godzilla, the awful press. Sorry, Vice, but uh, Cotton's going down. And on that note, plugs, socials, where can people find us? Maeve, it was an honor to have you on and to meet you for the first time via webcam. Where can yeah. the people find you? All right. Uh, people can find me on Twitter at I am a something. A lot of my writing is at lutonbus.net. My primarily my, <clears throat> my primary writing throughout the pandemic was a series about my way too large watch pile of used Blu-rays and DVDs that I buy at local stores. And I just I created that series to try and watch my way through them. And it's kind of worked, but also it keeps growing anyways. <laughs> yeah i mean that that just kind of happens right like i mean i have my watch list on letterboxd and i was like you know I'm, gonna, I'm just gonna add what i know i'm gonna watch soon and then i kept adding stuff and now i'm at like 500 that's just that's gonna keep growing i know it's never gonna end now but whatever again yeah. thank you so much for for coming on this this was a blast uh, links yeah. down to, to everything Maeve mentioned below yeah, on my, the youtube yeah, and and the and the podcasting from another medium, which I, what has been a lot of fun to make, and it's primarily Adam's baby, but I'm happy to have been along for the ride. And I am happy to have had you along for this ride today as well. Thank you so much. Oh yeah, we'll yeah. come back anytime you want. 
Yes, yes, we'll have, we'll have to do something else too. There's there's infinite movies and infinite bullshit we could talk about. She, Ra, retrospective. <laughs> yeah, I I genuinely thought about that. That that yeah. might just be a lot for right now, but I'll have to have you on for. Oh no, there is something we're definitely going to talk about, and it's but we'll save that bullet for another time because that'll be a fun <laughs> surprise. Uh, but Gene, plugs. Yeah, you could find me on Twitter and Instagram, Gene nine eight nine two. And of course, you can find me at the Diego Crespo. Check out the Waffle Press on Twitter, YouTube, SoundCloud, Spotify, iTunes, and Patreon, where you can get early access to other retrospectives like Legend of Korra, uh, uh, some some other monster stuff coming out um, because we're, we're we're gearing up for all of this. And of course, get ready to talk about the Snyder Cut because we all have to do it if we're online. It just <laughs> it's in our brains. Yeah. The 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 Snyder cultists won, and we have to talk about it. Um, I hope I like it because I like BVS now and I like half of Man of Steel now. So we'll see how that goes. But thanks for listening, yeah. everyone. Thanks for watching. Stay safe. Stay warm. Stay cozy. We have been professionally unprofessional. And that's the episode. Awesome. Yeah. Yay. Yeah.